Welcome, everybody, to the Dogger and Muddy Music Podcast. This week, we're interviewing Isaiah Evans, uh, the band leader for the 40 Acre Mule. That's the band name, the 40 Acre Mule. This is fantastic. This guy's wonderful. You're going to love this guy. He, it really is a great show. And so I'm going to get to him real quickly here, but I had one side story to tell. Last weekend, Wendy and I went to a movie at the Angelica Theater here in Dallas. And as uh, I'm standing around waiting to go in to see the movie, I see a poster that they're going to have a Wednesday night music concert movie of Rush. So I go, this is great. I love Getty Lee. I love Alec Lifeson. I love Neil Peart. This will, this will be great. So I'm, I've never been to one of these movie concert things, so I didn't know, quite know what to expect. And I waited to buy my tickets till you know Wednesday afternoon. Went in, and in the main body of the the theater, there were only three seats left. I was going, holy cow. So I got my single seat. My wife went to a totally different movie. She she rushes a little bit too aggressive for her. <laughs> so I go in, and as I'm waiting to go in, there's Rush t-shirts everywhere. So it's like, oh, my God, is this like a real concert? This is a real crack up. So I go in there, and, I mean, more Rush t-shirts show up, and the seats fill up. And the show starts, and in between songs, people are applauding, and and it was just a real kick. So if you ever get a chance to go to a movie concert, do it, especially if it's a band you really like, which which I do like Rush. Rush is a little different from what we typically interview on this show, but, man, those guys are great artists. So that's that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. So with that said... Let's get back to the show, and let's jump right into interviewing Isaiah Evans. By the way, uh, Maureen Womack with uh, Rabbit Hat Marketing lined this interview up. She's doing some phenomenal stuff. She keeps picking up more and more bands and helps getting John Pettigo more and more music to to, uh, produce, so it's great stuff. So everybody, enjoy the show. And oh, by the way, listen to the very end because after he plays a song, after Isaiah plays a song, I bring him back in because he tells this phenomenal story about the guitar that he plays. And so I won't spoil the story, but you need to listen to it. This is the Dogger and Muddy Music Show. Listen up, it's all about the music. Let's check in on the artists, songs, and people behind the scenes. Are you listening? All right, campers. I'm here with Isaiah Evans with the 40 Acre Mule. Hey, how you doing? Fantastic to have you, man. Maureen Womack introduced me to you, and I've been listening to your music on the web, and you're kicking ass, guy. I oh, love this. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. I love uh, on the opening quote on your webpage is, Stated by Chuck Berry, not not a bad reference there, but it used to be called Boogie Woogie. It used to be called Rhythm and Blues. Now they call it Rock and Roll. All right, with that quote said from Chuck Berry, describe the music of the 40 Acre Mule. I think that Rhythm and Blues, we call ourselves a Rhythm and Blues outfit. I think that kind of sums it up. It's uh, It's that kind of music that a lot of f- people find familiar because if they were rock and roll fans... Uh, if they are fans of of Texas or Gulf Coast boogie woogie, it sounds familiar. Um, yeah, I think that's a good good analogy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it it is rhythm and blues. It's uh, it's what some some of the critics are calling vintage rock and roll, uh, rock and roll revival. And all that is right. It all fits. Um, we have a sax player, which is pretty common. But our difference is instead of using a tenor, we use a baritone sax. 
Um, oh, interesting. Yeah. I mean, there were a lot of great bands out there with tenor sax players, but we wanted something kind of in that lower register to, right. you know, let it stand out a little bit and great guitar section and, and a bass player that is killer and a great drummer. And uh, all together, it's our brand of rhythm and blues. Yeah. I almost felt as I was listening to the music, I felt like I could be back in the 50s or 60s in some roadhouse yeah. and you guys tearing it to pieces. You know? That's that's a lot of our influence is the music of that era and music that makes people dance and have a good time. And and that kind of roadhouse feel is what we're going for. Yeah. I think you're doing a great job. Thank at you. It. Yeah. So take take our audience through your musical journey, how you got here. Well, um, <laughs> like a lot of folks, I started singing in church and my mom is, cla- well, she was, uh, she passed away last year. Uh, she was classically trained in opera. Oh my goodness. And, uh, my dad, he, till this day still has a beautiful voice for soul and gospel and, and, uh, was never classically trained or anything, but you'd hear him just singing around the house and I'd just stop and listen to him. And so... My brother so got some good genes. Yeah, you know, genetics in this case, it's a good thing. Um, my brother sings and plays the piano. So music was all, always a part of our house and part of our life. Um, ended up in a couple of bands in high school and, and into college. And then uh, later on in life, I ended up in, believe it or not, a hard rock band that was covering like ACDC and Black Sabbath. Really? And, okay. Yeah, I was, I, was, right. I was fronting one of those bands. Okay. And, and uh, it, was, it was actually becoming kind of successful around here. Interesting. Um, we would draw a crowd. We'd worked in a couple of originals. But that band, we all went our separate ways. But in that band, uh, I was working with my current bass player and drummer. We were in that band together. Oh, very good. Okay. Yeah. And right. so, uh, we, we were looking for a project after that fell apart. And during that whole stretch, I had been writing songs. Um, these songs that were rhythm and blues, early rock and roll, kind of a country tinge to them. So you're doing heavy metal, but yeah, you're, you're but I'm writing, writing these songs. Oh, very good. And and I, okay. I don't know what I'm going to do with them, but now I've got time. Right. And so I call up these other two guys and I said, hey, you guys want to kind of put something together? And, and Robert, the drummer, was busy doing other things. He's He had a couple other bands, but Tim was free. And so it went through a few different phases and really just started off as I want to play these songs that I wrote with my friends and in a living room or in a garage and just hang out. Well, it kind of grew and grew and Robert ended up as our drummer and, and, uh, we said, well, let's go play this out a little bit. Let's see if, you know, people like it. And we, uh, we found eight air saloon in Dallas, Texas. And, uh, we drank there and we knew the owners and said, Hey, you mind if we maybe play a show to see if people like this stuff? And they said, sure, you're not going to make anything, but Okay. Yeah, I was just gonna say they they don't do musical bands very often. Well, do they, they they do, but it's it's a it's a it's a ring situation. It's okay. no cover. It's free shows, but nobody knew who who we were, and it was like a Tuesday night. Yeah. So like, okay, well, we'll tell our friends, and sure enough, people showed up and they liked it, and we're looking at each other shocked. What time frame was this? Oh, this is probably about five years ago. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Then uh, then we said, well, we got a little something going here. Let's kind of flesh these songs out a little bit and maybe do this regularly. Yeah. Uh, not really sure if it would work out. Not really sure if uh, we'd stick to it, but here it is five years later and uh, 
We've changed some personnel. We added John Pettigo on guitar, and here we are, releasing an album. Yeah, I mean, the talent base is awesome. I mean, I'm a bass player, so I'm really going to plug uh, uh, Tim Cooper. I really like what he's doing there. That's really Tim, nice stuff. Tim's great. Tim, And, and it's what's weird about what Tim does, it's kind of got this psychedelic tilt to it. I tell people all the time, and it's become kind of a stage bit, if they get a chance to look at Tim's pedal board... Oh, he, oh, okay. It's incredible. I've never seen a bass player with such a pedal board. Well, as my bass instructor says, if you have a pedal board, you're probably getting ready to lose your job. <laughs> and over there's my pedal board. Yeah, yeah, it's it's amazing, but he uses everything on it, and it gives us, but not over, not but, overwhelmingly. Yeah. He just he found his niche, and it, it's it's a tone that we can't duplicate. He does his thing, and it works. I may have to check out his pedal. Oh, you should. See. Yeah. You should. Yeah, it, yeah, it's yeah. crazy. Oh, good. I yeah. love that. I love that. All right. Well, so now, um, how do you, how do you, John Pettigo, who I love, I interviewed him several shows yeah. back and love the guy, both from musical perspective as both from an artist as well as a producer. So how, how did you team up with, with John? That's a great addition. Well, it's as, as a producer. He was producing okay. uh, the record when we started. And then our original guitar player, Paul, had to leave the band. I was thinking about potential replacements and there was only one person that came to mind and it was John. Good. And I knew he had other projects going on. He had just a few. Yeah, just a few. He <laughs> he had released an amazing record with Pedigo's Magic Pilsner yes. and he had that to support and he had the O's and Boys Named Sue and being kind of producer to the stars around here these days. I was sure he was going to say no, but before I finished the question, he said yes. I think that's a steal. I yeah. Mean, yeah, I mean, I absolutely. That, he was enjoying producing the record, and he kept hearing things and making suggestions. And he jumped in, and actually, he continued to produce the record after he joined the band, and did double duty, and it was perfect. He could not have been a more perfect replacement. Well, that's great. So he gets paid while he's there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, not much, but yeah. <laughs> Well, talking about that, about songs, let's. I really like the construction of your songs and and your use of dynamics. Can you maybe take us through? Let's see, which song do I want you to take? Like, I'll be around. Take me through how you constructed that song and how you built it. Well, that song actually started off as a much slower, almost doo wop song. Interesting. And I came into a rehearsal with it and. I had an upbeat version as well. And the way our band works is I'm the primary songwriter, but Tim and Robert and I, we kind of share arranging credits. And I brought it in and we chose the upbeat version. And then Robert had the idea of how about we do these building on layers. And we went through it and made little notes on our charts to build to something, then do that breakdown that's really fun, right. and then play all out for those last three choruses. Uh, and again, those are building too. And so it kind of, it, it's a look into our arranging situation as a band. People, I'll come in with a song, but everybody in this band contributes something that turns it into something incredible. And that that was Robert's turn, and and it's rare that your drummers bring anything to a, a practice, um, but he brought something that except day. for loud, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but no, that was that that was his idea to have these kind of peaks and valleys in the song. 
Um, and, and that's fun. I, I love doing that with my friends. It, it's great to build these together and we do that on, on most of the songs. Now there are some songs I'll come in with and I'm like, no, it's going to stay this way. And that's um, okay. Yeah. And that's yeah. A, you know, it, it really, a, an example is be with me. That song, the way you hear that song now on the record is exactly how I wrote the song. And that's cause that song was very personal. It's about how I imagined my dad and my mom meeting from everything I knew about their history yeah. Yeah. Uh, with one another. And so that song was that song yeah. and it yeah. worked out. It was yeah. the whole thing was, it was, it was there. It was, yeah. it was, and it worked, it worked fine. Yeah. Ba- back to I'll be around. Yeah. yeah. You mentioned the dynamics. Yeah. Yeah. You build it up four times before you get to what I call the bridge. Yeah. I mean, it's, and it's just, and then it's all natural. It's really good. You, you, your, 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 your butt's moving for yeah. like, oh, you're, I mean, you're moving, yeah. your booty's moving, your booty's moving. And then, uh, the bridge is really, it's very natural. The bridge is just like, oh man, that's perfect. That was just, right yeah, there. that song's a groover, man. That's fun. I, I, I find myself dancing around a lot. My wife loves that song. And, and it's one of those songs we look out in the crowd and, and people are, people that have been standing there like statues all of a sudden are dancing around. Yeah. And I, I really enjoy that tune. It's yeah, I, really, really, really fun. And, and you're right about that bridge. It, it, it is a natural, logical build to that bridge and the breakdown after it, it just, Crowds love it. We get a bunch of woos. We, uh, I, I get chills after it. Good. Every, till this day, we play that song Excellent. countless times, and I still get it. So, so that that may be with you for a long time. I think so. Yeah. I think that one's going to stick around. I love it. I love it. Yeah, and, and giving Tim another plug. I, I really like the bass line on yeah. that one. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, make up your mind. Um, I mentioned to you before we started recording that as as I heard that. As it opened up and started, I went, "Oh man, I could see this being on the soundtrack to Gross Point Blank." You know, it just <laughs> just kind of fit that 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 genre. Yeah, I tell you, that's that's a that's a song that again came in pretty much ready to go, and then had some tweaks as we went into the rehearsal process. The bass part on that song, Tim's groove there, that kind of starts the song. Right. Uh, he wasn't really sure about. And he didn't really trust himself. And, and we looked at him and said, man, what are you talking about? This thing is dynamite. Yeah. And again, it's another song that, that really kind of gets people moving. And, and, and there's a clapping breakdown in the song that fans now automatically know to clap along with. Oh, good. Yeah. Okay. And it, it is, we just released that song to uh, college radio and uh, AAA radio and it's starting. It, it should start showing up on the airwaves here pretty shortly. How do you do? How do you release it to college radio? Interest. Angela Backstrom works magic with radio promotions, and yeah. Uh, yeah, she she has got that thing floating around out there. And we uh, had a discussion about what songs to release to what formats, and we agreed on that one. And it's been pretty well received from the people that are listening to it already. So. So when you say colleges, is it primarily down here in the Southwest? Oh, no, or is it uh, all over the place. All over the place. Yeah, fascinating. Yeah, so it thinks they're about to get really interesting. Excellent. I love it, man. I love it, Isaiah. Now you're talking about your fans. Take us through your growth. I mean, you said you hit stage four or five years ago first, and now you're gigging in front of your friends, and yeah. your friends bought brought friends, and that's good. But then in the last year, you've had some kind of audience breakthroughs, right? Absolutely. It's it, you, it's been a grassroots progress 
because we didn't have a record to push. We didn't have anything to really pitch to people. Um, So friends would bring their friends and then they'd tell people. And the great thing about Dallas is it's one of those music communities where musicians go see music and they support each other. And so we started getting the attention of uh, people like 1100 Springs. And then that turned into a friendship uh, with Jim Heath of Reverend Horton Heat. Yeah. And yeah. then that gets us into bigger festivals and on to bills with people. We opened for Rosie Flores. And the, I, I'll tell you this, I, I remember sitting in my living room and my phone rings and it's a number I don't know, but I knew we were playing with Rosie and I answered the phone And this sweet voice that I I recognize immediately says, is this Isaiah? (laughs) And I I said, and this is no joke, my first words were, holy S, you're Rosie Flores. And she just fell apart laughing and she said, yes, I am. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And and but I'm a big fan. Uh, you know, she's one of the all-time great, forget female guitar players, just guitar players in general. And so getting to play with people like her, getting to play at Homegrown Fest, we took advantage of every opportunity that we were given and made the most of it. Good. And we, we till this day, we have so much fun playing music together, but we also treat every show as an audition for something else. It's all, there's Excellent always strategy. an opportunity. Okay. And... That, that mentality has worked out, not to the point where we want to be uptight. If we put on our show, we're having a good time and right. it'll take care of itself. Right. But every, all those opportunities have led to something else. And uh, it could not have been more fun playing Continental Club this weekend. Oh, really? Yeah. We did Continental last Friday. We did Green Hall after that and just winning the night. Going That's out. kick ass, Yeah. Man. Going out there with that gang mentality of we're going to win tonight. And that's we, big. Yeah, we did. We went out and played with the Greyhounds, um, played with Mickey and the Motor Cars at Green Hall, and just had a blast. Put on our show, and people had a good time. And that's what we want. That's what that's what rhythm and blues music should be about. Put on a show. Be a show band. Have people have a good time. And they remember, remember you at the end of the night. Now, right. if they buy buy your record, if they buy some T-shirts, that keeps us on the road. Absolutely, we want to sell some stuff too. Well, I'm playing at Green Hall. That's big. I yeah. mean, that's that's. I saw the Peterson brothers there last. Yeah, year. yeah, I, yeah. I, I love those guys. Yeah, I took a picture of. There was a news article of uh, when Bo Diddley had pay, played there, and I took a picture of it. In my on my Instagram, I put Bo played here, and now I have too. And I, that was just that place is amazing. Good. So you. You opened at uh, Bomb Factory for uh, Reverend Horton Heat. Yeah, yeah. And now uh, you kicked ass at the Homegrown Festival. Yep. Uh, with Tripping Daisy, where the headliners and toadies and stuff like that. And yeah. now you did Green Hall and the Continental Club. What uh, you said, hopefully it opens other doors. Have you has have some other doors opened well, up now? Well, we're we're looking at doing a, a tour here in the fall that uh, will hopefully take us through the Midwest. Um, we hope to have a, a big announcement about that, but uh, tomorrow. We're uh, back back at our our home turf at Granada yes. Theater, um, which we've played before, but never as a headliner. And so we're we're proud to be there as a co-headliner with Ottoman Turks. But you're there specifically to release our new record. I love it. Yeah, good I night and good it. luck finally comes out. Um, we're really excited about this record. It it took a long time 
completely worth it. Five different studios to make this record. Really? Yeah. Five years, five studios, and finally it's out. Now, all Dallas studios? All, da- all Dallas studios. Audio Dallas is technically in Garland. Um, but, yeah, all, all area studios and one producer, John Pettigo, who, yeah. with all the changes, the record sounds seamless. You would never figure out that it was recorded in all these different places, but John works magic. Again, that's a great compliment, Daniel. Yeah, yeah he's, he's incredible. Yeah, and tomorrow everybody gets to listen to it on online or preferably buy it on vinyl or CD and and uh, make up uh, make up their minds about it. But I think they're going to like it. I think it's a really fun record. And you'll have it up on Spotify. Yeah, it's going to be on Spotify and um, Apple Music, and I think Napster still <laughs> exists. But all all the formats will have it, uh, and so it'll be readily available. Good, good. I love that. That's great, man. So so. This show's going to go out next week. Yeah. So, unfortunately, those of you listening to the show, you missed the big one. Yeah. But do you, so you're going to go hit the Midwest, hopefully. Yeah. We'll hit the we'll hit the Midwest. Um, I know John and I are going to be in Nashville for Americana Fest. Um, oh, good. Yeah, we're trying to take all the guys along, but uh, at the very minimum, John and I will be there picking out some tunes and and making the scene and on a little side stage you'll be doing yeah doing we'll stuff. be doing stuff and uh state fair has a showcase uh that they're going to be doing up there and yeah, and state and fair is your it's our record label they've been amazing state fair records out of dallas uh we we picked a winner um when we were starting to look at record labels that's not a knock on anybody else from from around here but they have been absolutely great yeah i love yeah. i love those people they're good people yeah yeah, gonna gonna jump back. Uh, hopefully, this isn't unfair. But uh, you talked earlier about losing your mom. So, um, and it also sounds interesting that both your mom and your dad had. Um, you said she was opera trained. Yeah, and yeah. it sounds like he was. He was. Uh, did they have a challenge with you getting into the rock and roll boogie woogie stuff? Or well, <laughs> it's it. My, growing up, I was that kid that. I wanted to listen to hardcore and punk and I think my parents were genuinely worried about me at some point in my teen years. Um, you know, I'm listening to dead milk men and stuff like that. And I'm like, what, where did we go wrong? And, and, but you know, my, my dad was really into George Clinton and mom was into oh, the yeah. stones and into Zeppelin. Okay. And, it was like your your parents probably had the same issues with you listening to that stuff that oh, you you big, have with me listening to this, but guy. no, they 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 have all, both always been very supportive of anything we wanted to do musically. My brother plays classical piano and is a composer. Oh my goodness! Yeah, and and so we went two very different directions musically, um, but they both could not have been more supportive of what we wanted to do. Um, my grandfather played this kind of music, um, never, never really turned in anything of note, but it's the music he played, the music he listened to. It's the music that was around the house when we were kids and it sticks with you. So you can try to rebel all you want to by going and listening to whatever, but you come back around to the stuff that was kind of embedded in you. So we listened to old school country. We listened to rhythm and blues, listened to a little rockabilly. He was a big, uh, Carl Perkins fan. Oh yeah. And, uh, And so that stuff sticks with you. And, and so my parents understood where this was coming from. 
uh, probably felt a little better about me choosing to play this kind of music. Um, but very, very supportive. And, and, uh, before she passed, mom got to hear a lot of the record and was very proud. So Good. that was really, really cool. I was just going to say, I'll yeah, be, she, yeah. I would lay out. She's very proud of what Yeah. Yeah. And dad, dad'll be out at the show tomorrow night, probably wearing a really cool hat. So I love it. Yeah. I love it. I'll, I'll look for the guy with the cool hat and introduce <laughs> yeah. myself. He looks kind of like George Jefferson with Popeye's arms. <laughs> That's a really dated reference, but you, you can't miss it. All right. Yeah. All right. All right. So um, for those locals, you, obviously we're missing, the locals are missing your gig tomorrow night, which is August 23rd. 23rd. Yeah. Do you, do you have a date come, when you come back from the Midwest? Not yet back Not, here in n- Dallas? Um, actually, we're going to be at a Smoked Barbecue Festival in downtown um, coming up here. I think that's September. Yeah. Um, with Dale Watson. And, oh, good. Uh, yeah, oh, Dale, that's real good. Oh. Dale's a buddy. He's a trip. Uh, if you want to see how to handle a stage, Dale Watson's the yeah. guy to learn from. And uh, our buddy Straight Tequila Knight are on that bill with us, too. So Yeah, I saw Dale and Ray Benson at uh, Austin City Limits two years ago. That Yeah, that song that they're doing together right now that's floating around is really fun. Yeah, uh, We got to see Asleep at the Wheel at kind of a sneak peek of Longhorn Ballroom and what they're doing over there in that restoration project. And Ray still got it. I mean, Ray Benson still has that voice, can still play, and he was my first interview on this show. That's awesome. He was—I couldn't believe. I reached out to him, and he said, "I reached out to his son." Yeah, he said, "Oh yeah, sure, we'll talk to you." He's one of the most approachable guys in Texas music. Sweetheart. Yeah. Uh, One funny little side note: when I saw him at Austin City Limits, I mean, for those people who don't know him, he has a deep voice. Yeah. And I mean, he starts doing this song. He starts taking his voice deep. And he keeps going deeper and literally is beating my chest like a bass drum. I'm sitting there going, that's his freaking voice, man. I mean, yeah. he just, he's hitting my chest with this yeah. deep bass voice. And it, like, it perfectly belongs with that guy. Oh, yeah. That's oh, a yeah. huge dude. Yeah, <laughs> huge. To him. I just kept looking up and up and up and up. And there's this this deep voice sticking out his hand to, to shake mine. And Yeah, I, I'd never had awesome. a voice hit me in the chest. Oh, yeah. With, with that, that that's the voice that'll do it. Yeah, yeah. I love it. So, all right, the album's coming out tomorrow, and yes. I think you're going to be really nice to us, and you're going to play a song for us, right? Yeah, I'll do a all song. Right. All right, so which one are you going to do? Um, let's do You Better Run. Okay, so before we do that, because that'll kind of close out our show, let's make sure everybody knows where to go to f- keep track of what's going on with The 40 Acre Mule. Best place to find us is The40AcreMule.com. That's The40AcreMule.com. 40 is the number, number 40. Yep, yep. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, uh, all under The 40 Acre Mule. Good. Yeah, and I, and I can tell you folks, go up there. It's a beautiful website. Whoever Thank you. Did, whoever did it for you did it really nice. I did it. Oh, did you? Yeah. And I yeah. love the... Who Co- did, I'm cost-cutting. Who did the picture for the uh, album cover? That's really a cool um, picture. That was a friend of mine out of San Francisco. That that picture is in San Francisco, actually. Oh, it's not a, not yeah, a Texas we don't, we don't, picture? We, well, we don't get foggy, good foggy True. nights like that around yeah. here. It is a cool the, pick. But yeah. that was uh, the marine layer kicking in one creepy night. In uh, the Mission District in San Francisco. So, I love it. Yeah. All right. Perfect for that, that album. You got it, man. Isaiah, this has been a blast, so I'm going to let you set up, and we're going to cut this song. Thank you, sir. All right, man. Enjoyed it. Thanks. You better run. 
Normally at this point, I close out the show. But while uh, we were recording the song, or prior to recording the song, Isaiah told me a story about the guitar. So that's going to close out the show. So Isaiah, tell us about that guitar. Well, the, the guitar I was using today, uh, it, there's nothing really special about it as a guitar. It's just an old Washburn acoustic. And uh, how I ended up with the guitar is, is the important part. I was leaving uh, the Lakewood Landing here in Dallas uh, after a, a night of enjoying some adult beverages. And uh, I did the responsible thing. I was going to walk home. I lived within walking distance. Absolutely. Yeah. And I left my car there. And I'm walking down the street. And uh, as it happens occasionally in Old East Dallas, uh, someone has been put out of their house and their stuff on a curb. And this particular house I was walking past, I guess a musician had lived there because there was a drum set, some other music, musical gear, and sticking out of a box was the headstock of this guitar. 
And uh, I'm in no hurry because being in a hurry in this situation is not a good idea. And so I grab the guitar out of the box and I sit down on the sidewalk and uh, start playing it. And right about then, I see the Dallas police roll up. They get out of the car. and uh, What what time is this? Oh, this is around 2.30 or 3 in the morning. (laughs) uh, And I'm just sitting on a sidewalk playing a guitar. And um, they shine their flashlights on me. And they asked me if I was okay. And uh, I told them I was. And and, I was just sitting there playing this guitar I'd found in this pile of stuff behind me. And uh, they asked if I had been drinking that night. And I said, officers, I'm going to be a straight shooter with you. Yes, I'm trying to do the right thing. I live right around the corner and I was walking home. Uh, Left my car at the bar I was at. And uh, they said, can you play that thing? And I said, a little bit. And uh, they said, play something for us. And so I did a little Folsom Prison Blues and... They said, uh, Folsom Prison Blues. Yeah. Nice, 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 yeah. nice selection. They, uh, they said, okay, get in the back. I said, officers, am I going to jail? And they said, no, we're going to take you home. And I said, can, can I bring the guitar with me? And they looked at me for a second and they smiled and said, sure. And so since that day, uh, I've had that guitar with me. I write everything on it, I wrote this entire album on it. Um, it is the least valuable guitar I own, but it's my favorite guitar because I didn't go to jail. And you'll never let it go. <laughs> I'll never let that guitar go. Man, just remember, folks, a good guitar and a good woman, nothing better. Right? <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe the guitar sometimes has a priority. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> well, we won't get into that. We won't get into that. Fantastic. Isaiah, it's been a blast. Everybody listening in, we'll see you next time. We'll Take care of yourselves. Adios. Is this a dream? I won't go.